It's glad that you're here with us on, on kind of a holiday weekend. Um, if it's your first time, or whether you're visiting with, with family or you're here for the first time, we welcome you here to Southridge. So glad that you could be with us. And we're actually concluding a, 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 a series today. Um, I'm honored to do that. My name is Pastor Jay. I'm the executive pastor here. And um, no other name is what we've been walking through together. And uh, Pastor Troy has, has shared with us three of the names that we find in the book of Isaiah. Uh, the prophet who, who prophesied about 700 years before Christ's birth and gave us kind of a preview. He is coming and he will be called. And so um, we're just going to jump right in. We're going to look at uh, this key text together one last time. And this is Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Over the last three weeks, as I mentioned, Troy's done an awesome job uh, sharing about wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. And as you notice, with those three, we actually have adjectives uh, at the front of every one of those names. We have wonderful, mighty, everlasting. So vivid, these pictures that they give us. The last one, though, is what we're talking about today, is actually a title. Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. That's what I want to talk to you about today. When you hear that word peace, lots of different things probably jump into your mind, things you think about. Uh, even uh, as we were praying earlier this morning, uh, you know, and uh, Danny was saying to the team, hey, he's going to be talking about Prince of Peace. And I said, yeah, Prince of Peace. And uh, 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 we kind of joked that maybe at the end of this, I'll, I'll just, I'll drop the mic and say, peace out. And, uh, but that wouldn't work very well with this mic because it would be very cumbersome. So I can't do that. But uh, you have different ideas that come to your mind when we talk about peace. But for, for the people that were reading and hearing this prophecy from Isaiah, who was a prophet in the Old Testament times, 700 years before Christ, when they heard this, this, this phrase, this is not like the prince uh, of, in, in the Disney movies or the prince that we see every month or so on, on People magazines or in the news where he's visiting from you know, the prince in England. Now, we're talking about this title in Hebrew is Sar of Shalom. Sar of Sh- Shalom. This is a very authoritative title. This prince of peace. This word Tsar, Tsar, it's actually where the Russians got the term Tsar. And it actually developed into another title, Caesar. So this Tsar of Shalom, when they read this, when they heard this, Prince of Peace, this is an authoritative title. So what does this mean? This means that Jesus is in charge of our peace. You can follow along in your handout there uh, and fill in the blanks. Jesus is in charge of our peace. And peace, this word peace, which brings all kinds of ideas into our, our mind, whatever your background, whatever you, whatever you may be thinking right now, shalom. Shalom means completeness, wholeness, tranquility. Also, this idea of, of total rest. 
And in fact, this word shalom, still a greeting today in Israel among, and amongst Jews. Shalom, peace to you. So if Jesus is the captain of our peace, the general of our tranquility, he is in charge of peace. When you start thinking about that, there's some who struggle with that a little bit. Because if you look around in our world and you turn on the television, you're wondering, is he failing? I mean, is he failing? I mean, every day you hear about terrorism. Every week we hear about gun violence. We hear about the things that happen in our schools and we just, our minds are spinning. There is not much peace in our world. But Jesus, he's supposed to be the prince of peace. I mean, what's the problem? You know, the problem is, isn't that there's a lack of peace. It's it's a lack of understanding about the peace that Jesus brought to this earth and wants to bring into our lives. That's what I really believe I need to share with you today. And I want to move into a couple, uh, a couple other scriptures. One, the first one, just to go a little bit into what Jesus' peace is really about. John 14, 27, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Notice he says, my peace, not the world's. My peace. He's making a very distinct, you know, different differentiation between the world's peace, my peace. I think about this bumper sticker. Maybe you've seen it before where it says, uh, uh, no Jesus, N-O Jesus, N-O peace. No Jesus, K-N-O-W, no peace. I've seen that bumper sticker before and I think it's, it's quite appropriate it's very true. That's what Jesus is talking about here. What the bumper sticker and what also Jesus is saying is that there's no peace like the peace that Jesus offers. And I want to highlight three ways in which this is true, just to start out here. Only Jesus offers peace that is life-changing. Only Jesus. His peace is exclusive, okay? Maybe... Uh, this, this last shopping season, you saw that somewhere where it says exclusively at Target, right? Right? This Barbie exclusively at Target. You can only buy it here. You can only find the peace that we're talking about here today. Life-changing peace through Jesus Christ. And he had to clarify this because just at this time, as Jesus is talking about this, about 30 AD when he's talking to his disciples, it was the beginning of Pax Romana, which this was Roman peace that started. This was, uh, as I was reading some history uh, on it again, this was the relatively, (laughs) in the description that I read, it was like, it was relatively peaceful and that the Romans weren't conquering very many people during this 150-year time. And so Jesus made very clear, this peace is not the world's peace. It's not lack of war or very much war. It's exclusive to him. Also, peace is not the absence of problems. This is so very important for us to understand. Peace is not the absence of problems. Uh, 
when I, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking a couple weeks ago, we were, we were riding um, in, in our SUV, and our two kids were in the back, and they were, they were going back and forth and being very loud, and it was kind of been a long day, and I remember my wife, she said, please, both of you, stop talking. I just want some peace. I just want some peace. And, and my son, uh, uh, we had another incident like this like two days ago, and my, my son, in, in his um, wisdom, he thought, I, I will help with this problem. He said, Haven, my five-year-old, so my 10-year-old tells my five-year-old, let's play the quiet game together. Let's play. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Quiet game. 20 seconds in, I hear from the back seat, my, my, my daughter says, I lose. And then she just starts talking. <laughs> Some kids aren't meant to win the quiet game. That would be my daughter. Alright, so, but you know, sometimes we, our world is so crazy and out of control, and we're just like, if it could just stop for a second, I could have some peace. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. His peace also is unaffected by outward circumstances. When you experience the peace that Jesus brings, peace with God and also the inner peace, when we experience that, It is unaffected by outward circumstances. This is one of the the big separations of the Prince of Peace and the peace the world offers. In fact, the peace that Jesus brings is more evident when storms arrive. And I think this is our biggest challenge, is that as I was reflecting on the Prince of Peace and Jesus and what he brings and what he wants to do in our lives with this peace, is there, there's this outward thing that we want to happen. We want things on the outside to just calm down. My life to not be stressful. No more drama. Right? No more financial problems. No more stuff on television that stresses me out and worries me. I don't want all that. But Jesus wants to bring a different kind of peace that, that starts in here. It's peace with God. It's also this inner peace that transcends all understanding. As I considered this, I thought of one of Jesus' 34 miracles that came to my mind, and and I began to reflect on it. And before I share about Jesus quieting the storm, I want to share about a a storm that occurred in my own life, and in my wife's life, actually, uh, both of us experienced. And... In the process, I'll be pointing out characteristics of his peace in this story. But first, uh, it was 2010. It was April. Uh, I was in Hastings, Nebraska uh, on, on a little break. Uh, what we call, uh, Pastor Troy and I, we, we go to district council. It's where uh, the fellowship of churches we're a part of gather together. Pastors gather together. And uh, so we were in Hastings. I had uh, got there early for some meetings, and then I had the afternoon just to myself until the services had started. So um, uh, since I was there uh, with other pastors, I decided to do something really spiritual and went to my hotel room and watched Lord of the Rings. And so that's what I was doing. I was sitting in my hotel room watching Lord of the Rings. I was like, I'm just going to kick back, watch a movie. And, and I get a phone call from my wife. 
And uh, my wife, uh, three days before that, uh, the business, she's a licensed mental health practitioner, and she um, was working for a company that was doing a lot of work for the state, and that proved unfruitful and unwise because the state wasn't paying them on time. The company went under, and so my wife, three days before then, had lost her job. And so she was calling me as she was coming back from the first time ever from being at the unemployment office and filing for unemployment. Uh, she was confident that, that something was going to open up, but just in case, she was going to go ahead and just start that paperwork. And, and as we were talking, uh, and I don't, I don't remember, she was, she was just kind of recounting about the experience at the unemployment office and how efficient and, and polite everyone was there. And it was just such a wonderful time for her. And so she was talking about this, and, and all of a sudden, uh, there was this wrestling with the phone. And I, I, I was like, Candace, Candace. Um, and before I tell you what happened... Before I tell you about what happened on the other end of that phone, we're going to look at Mark chapter 4, verses 35, nothing like a good cliffhanger, 35 through 41, all right? So we're going to jump into this. As evening came, we're going to look at a, a storm in the book of Mark. This is one of the four Gospels. Uh, these are accounts of Jesus and his miracles and his teachings and his life. As, G, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on the cushion. The the disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Quick question. How many of you here can sleep through anything. Like when you go, when you're, it's like, yeah, like a freight train could go through your room and you're like, nothing, right? Okay. All right. And then how many of you, like, man, just a drop of a hat in your room and you're like, I'm up. I'm something. Like yeah, there's more of you. Okay. All right. I'm one of those people. I can sleep through just about anything. And my wife, sometimes she's like, did you hear what was going on last night with your kids? I'm like, no, I have no idea. <laughs> Tell me. Tell me what happened as I was in dreamland. Uh, But can you imagine a storm raging around them, these disciples? The boat is filling up with water. I can imagine them almost like trying to get things to get all the water from filling up into this boat. And here's Jesus in the stern of the boat with his Tipperpedic pillow, just chilling, having just the nicest rest of his life. And they're looking, they're like, I thought this guy was, was the Messiah. I mean, he's, he's saying this, and, and he's at the back of the boat, and we're going to drown. Does he, need me? he doesn't even care. I mean, what is happening? But after rudely being awakened, Jesus calms the storm with three simple words. Here it says, uh, uh, you know, hush or, or quiet, be still. Other translations, it's peace, be still. Just back to my own story, um, 
I heard this rustling in the phone, on, the, on the phone with my wife, and, and uh, within a few seconds, uh, my wife was screaming. And uh, she was screaming and, and, and saying no and no and no. And, uh, and then I heard her praying, praying very loud. And I was like, and, and what had happened was um, somebody, uh, she was on, a, on Q Street traveling westbound, just past 120th Street. And another car, uh, as cars had kind of stopped at that stoplight, another car that wasn't paying attention, possibly texting, uh, had um, uh, rear-ended a car. And then that car shot across the center line and hit my wife, um, almost head on. And so the car had been spinning, uh, and uh, what made things a little more challenging for her, and probably the scream was a little louder because uh, she was 20 weeks pregnant with Haven, my daughter. So this got real fast. And so um, I, just, I just remember her screaming, and then, and then the phone just kind of went dead. And so um, I'm calling, and I'm calling, and... We're talking about, I had about two or three minutes where I had no idea what was happening. I was in that hotel room. And very, very difficult. And um, I remember hitting my knees, praying, just, you know, just, God, what, what's going on? Whatever's, whatever's happening, please make everything be all right. Please make everything be all right. Be with her. Be with my unborn daughter, who we, we had actually... I uh, knew that it was going to be a girl and had already had the name Haven picked out for her. And we, and I was just praying and praying. And, and after a couple minutes, I got a phone call. And it was one of the first people that had arrived uh, and opened the door and um, uh, just, just said, Hey, I'm calling for your wife. She, she's okay. Um, you know, here she is. And my wife began to tell me about her knee really, really hurt. Her leg really hurt. When she had slammed on the brakes, she felt something, and she said, that, that's the main thing, but they're going to take me to the hospital and make sure everything's okay. And so, I, you know, I, I, I breathed a couple sighs of relief, but then I, then I called my mother-in-law, and I, I said, you know, this is what happened, and, and, and she, was, she was off quickly to, to get there to the scene of the accident. And then, and then I called my insurance agent. Uh, who was just up the road at Q Street, uh, on Q Street. He's uh, my Allstate agent. And, uh, and, uh, um, and so I said, hey, I need you to get in your car and drive to 122nd Q. And I want you to make sure everything's okay. I want you to get all the information and make sure you get all the stuff. And I was like, you know, you say I'm in good hands. You're going to prove it right now. Get down <laughs> to that accident. And, uh, um, I, and he did. He did. And it was really cool. Uh, so, but you know, as I sat in that hotel room wondering if my wife was okay and, and my daughter, um, you know, and I was praying and uh, even though it was the longest two minutes of my life, I wasn't alone. And, you know, I, w- I want to share with you just a few characteristics that we find in this story and what Candace and I realized through this experience. First of all, his peace begins with our invitation. Notice that the, G- that the disciples had invited Jesus, you know, onto the boat with them. And it says they took Jesus in the boat and started out. You know, as I reflected on this experience, God shared something that I knew, but I hadn't really thought of. Because I was reflecting on this and I was thinking about how even in the most difficult couple minutes of my life, I felt 
um, I thought, man, Jesus was there with me. And um, I was a little, you know, scattered and rattled, but, you know, he was there with me. And, and, and I just had this still small voice as I was reflecting on this passage and this experience. And, and God just said, Jay, Jay, also, I was in that Honda, that Honda element that was spinning in circles. And I was in that womb with your daughter. It started with an invitation. The peace my wife had during that time had started long before that car ride. Long before that ride from the workman's comp office. We were not alone. That's one of the big things about the peace that the Prince of Peace brings. You're not alone. The question I want to ask here this morning for for all of you is this. Who's in the boat with you? Some of you here today, maybe you're struggling and you're wanting peace. You're wanting things to calm down in your life. But you're trying to do it all by yourself. You're trying to steer the ship through the storm. And you haven't even invited him on to the boat. Another thing I want to share with you is this. His peace does not protect us from the storms. It carries us through them. One of my struggles with the accident early on afterwards is uh, kind of my own expectations. Uh, I really expected that, that being a pastor, being in full-time ministry, that you know, it's kind of this hidden expectation that uh, my wife wouldn't have to go through something like that. But here's the deal. Jesus never guaranteed that we wouldn't experience trouble. In fact, he warned us that we would. He actually said, you will, you will have trouble in this world. You will. And I had to come to grips with that. That he's not going to just protect you. And, and, and when you step into a relationship with Christ, when you surrender your life to him, when you invite him onto your boat and you actually let him be in charge, that doesn't mean smooth sailing, the water's calm, everything's perfect. His peace does not protect us from the storms, it carries us through them. The prayers uh, of our church, friends, and family, and the peace that surpasses all understanding carried us through this very difficult time. Job loss followed by the accident um, through what my wife had to go through, the, the, the pain in her knee, she had torn her ACL when she slammed on the brakes. It buckled, her knee buckled. So there was a lot that she went through during this time. His peace does not protect us from the storms. It carries us through them. Another characteristic, the peace that, G, that, that the Prince of Peace gives us is, or that's important for us to realize is his peace requires our trust. Our trust. So my wife had torn her ACL in the accident, but since she was pregnant, she could not under, go under anesthesia to have the surgery for that knee. So she was uh, had to carry the, the um, haven to term, uh, and then six weeks later, um, walking around, 
as, as, as Haven continued to grow. And I mean, I just remember her walking around uh, in, in, in our house and um, she started a new job shortly after that, just limping around on that torn ACL with a big brace on until she could have the surgery. And, and uh, I was like, I mean, I was just amazed because during this whole time, you know, she, she wasn't complaining. I mean, she wasn't like, God, why me? How could you do this to me? How could you, you know, put me through this? You know, in fact, that night she had somebody, um, her, her dad went and bought a cane for her. And she went that night, she told me, she said, just enjoy your time there in Hastings. Uh, you don't need to come home. I'm going to go to my job interview tonight. I'm, I'm going to be okay. And she went with a cane to her job interview and got a job that night after that accident. I mean, my wife is that awesome, right? All right. But more than that, you know, it was the peace of God that was helping her through that time. And she trusted. She trusted. And and when you trust in Christ during these times, during these difficult times, your words reflect that. She wasn't complaining. Many times she was saying, dear Jesus, please help the pain go away. I remember that a lot. But she wasn't complaining about what was happening to her and all the problems. The disciples said their words during the storm, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? They went to him not asking for a miracle, they went to him complaining that he was taking a nap when they were about to die. That's what their words were. Some of us, I would say probably all of us, in some way can relate. God, what is up? Can't you see what's happening? Don't you even care? Don't you care what's happening in my world? Don't you care that that this is happening to me? Our words reflect the amount of trust that we have. Do we really trust him? I want to uh, just just pose this question. What are you saying during the time of the storm? We can complain to God and others about how bad things are, or we can follow the example of Jesus, who as went to the front of the boat and rebuked. This word rebuke is like this. It's an official order in the original Greek an official order to rebuke. When we invite Christ into our life, there is power in his name. And sometimes we have to stop talking to God about our problems and start talking to our problems about our God. And that involves going to the front of that ship and saying, you know what? Jesus is in charge here. And these problems, although they are out of control, he's in charge of my life and in my heart. I want to rebuke what this is trying to do to my spirit, to to my well-being. His peace requires our trust. The last characteristic that I want to point out is this. His peace creates a quiet confidence within us. I believe this this is how I would... Explain peace to someone else. A quiet confidence within you. The peace that the Prince of Peace brings. And I thought about this because um, I have a very vivid memory. So I have just all kinds of random 
things that I that I remember and uh, the staff jokes like, how do you remember this stuff? And I'm like, I don't know, you know, all kinds of weird stuff, but um, just lots of memories. And one of the memories I have is during this time um, when when Candace had lost her job and, and uh, she went went through the accident and she was hit by the person that caused the accident had minimum liability, minimum liability. And there were three people that went to the hospital. Okay, two people from the other car and then my wife. I'm like, okay, one person, maybe you could pay for that hospital bill. So we're like, how's this going to work? Um, um, but thankfully, you know, God had, God had prepared my insurance policy. I'd never asked for it, but I had underinsured, uh, underinsured uh, insurance. And uh, so we were taken care of. And I didn't, I didn't, I, I was like, wow, he had us prepared. And, and so I, I just remember driving on the ILQ exit on I-80. And I, I don't remember if I was talking to my wife or praying, but I just remember on this exit. And I, I remember speaking this and I said, God, I do not know how anybody gets through times of, of, of storm or times of trouble without you. How in the world can you make it through it? Because I know we'll get through this. How do people do it without you? It was like a question. It's like, how? How does this happen? I can't imagine trying to go through difficult times without the peace that transcends all understanding in my heart. Jesus asked his disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? This quiet confidence that it's going to be all right. The disciples had panicked and never considered to believe Jesus for a miracle. They were too afraid to realize that Jesus, the one laying down, sleeping in the stern, there on the boat with them, he's the Prince of Peace, he could actually calm this storm. They They didn't, for one second, stop to think about that they had panicked they were in fear and you see the world wants us to react the same way and live that way in fear of what's going to happen next but jesus says this peace my peace that i give you is not the world's peace today what I, what I long for for everyone here is that you would know Jesus and know his peace. He offers two kind of types of peace, actually. First, there's the peace with God. All right? The peace with God. Because of sin, there's this barrier that we cannot have peace with God with that sin in the way. As we read in... Uh, Romans 5, 1, first, first that blank, ask Jesus to make things right with God. Ask Jesus to make things right. In Romans 5, 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. We have been made right 
with God in God's sight by faith. When you put your faith, when you ask, you ask Jesus, you admit, when you confess with your mouth and say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you came to bring peace into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want you to be in charge of my life and be in charge of peace for me. It's peace with God. That's what he brings first. Only Jesus. I remember, uh, you know, Highway 169 in Kansas in 1997 as I was driving. I was driving home from partying with friends. And I was completely miserable. And I had no peace in my life. But I knew who God was. And I knew who Jesus. I knew the work that he had done on the cross. I knew the reality of of all that God, God was, I just never surrendered. And I remember that day in this red Ford F-150 truck that I had, had no air conditioning, okay? Standard, okay? And I was shifting, and I remember, I just remember just saying, God, I want you, I, I, I want to give you my life. I want, it, I want to do it your way now. I want to do it your way now. For the longest time, I knew who God was. I didn't even went to church. It's like, God, I want to do it your way. And to describe, because, uh, you know, this peace transcends all understanding, I believe sometimes it's kind of hard to, to describe what happens in that moment. I had this thought. It was like I would went from driving in a Ford F-150 with no air conditioning to like a 65 Mustang with a drop-down convertible top. And I was cruising. That's how I felt inside. It was like night and day. What God did in me, he brought peace. That's what he wants to do in your life. If you have not stepped into a relationship with him, it's asking Jesus to make things right with God. The second way for us to know Jesus and know peace. And this is for everybody in this room. Let Jesus bring peace into your heart. Let him. In uh, Colossians 3.15 it says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. This word rule, uh, Paul, who wrote this, loved athletic competitions. And this word actually it has, carries with it this picture of an official, like a referee. All right? A good referee. Not like the one last night in the Huskers game. Kicked a guy out for making a clean tackle. All right? You feel better now? I actually said it in the sermon, so you should, there's peace now, right? Rule, that's the peace that he wants to bring into your life, that it would rule in your heart. But that word, that first word, let, is very important. You have to let him be in charge of your life, your heart. That is a difficult thing for many of us, because Here's the reality. Way too many people say, you know what? I'm going to go to church. I'm going to invite Jesus to be on my boat with me. And I'm going to be a Christian. 
The problem is when you invited him into your boat, you said, hey, Jesus, come aboard. I want you to be a part of my life. I do want you to forgive me of my sins. Hey, there's a great seat in the back, though, because I got this thing. I've been captain in the ship for a while. I kind of know how things work. So if you can just kind of sit back there in the back, I'll call you when I need you. This is called the inverted gospel. This is where we say, instead of accepting the invitation that Jesus gives to us, which is, come follow me, we say, Jesus, would you come follow me? And all the time, Jesus is saying, well, when you're ready, we'll go this direction, and you can follow me. When you're ready, I'll take charge of this ship, and you can experience peace like never before. When you're ready to let him. I believe some people need to hear that this morning, that you have to take your hands off this thing, step back and say, Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready. Because I sure do want to experience peace. As I close, I want to just go back to this this Mark chapter 4. There's something that uh, you know just really struck me that I was thinking about just yesterday. The disciples at the very end of this said, even the wind and waves obey him. They did not wake him up to ask for him to calm the storm. Otherwise, they wouldn't be surprised when he did it. Do you have a storm in your life that's raging right now? I would be remiss if I didn't at this time, just as I close, I feel like there are people here, you have a storm raging. Maybe it's a physical issue that's going on, news that you received from a doctor, financial problems, a job issue. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you, maybe your marriage right now is teetering on disaster. And you're like, man, what do I do? I want to invite you to believe that first Jesus would bring peace into your heart, but also he can calm that storm. He can bring a miracle. And so, you know, just right now, in fact, let's just bow our heads just for a moment, bow our heads and our hearts just for a moment. You know, first, if, uh, you know, I, I just outlined what it means to step into a relationship with Christ, to ask him to be Lord of your life, to be in charge, to come aboard and actually captain your ship and your life, to be in charge of peace. If you want to do that for the first time or the first time in a long time, you want to step into a relationship say that that's me today. Jay, I am going to pray that prayer in my heart right now. Jesus, come aboard change who I am, forgive me of my sins, I'm ready to go in the direction you want to take me. If that's you, I just want to know who that is. Just lift up your hand right now and say, that was me. I did that. Yep. All right. Very good. And if you're here today and you're saying, Jay, there is a storm raging in my heart, in my life. need this quiet confidence. I need to begin trusting God and I need him to say, peace, be still. I need that in my relationships. I need that in my finances. I need that for a situation that's totally out of control. Right now, I want to believe for a miracle. That's me. Just raise up your hand and say, that's me. I need that right now.
Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you so much. You are the Prince of Peace. You are the one that wants to, to, to walk to the front of our boat and say, peace be still. But more than anything, you want to rule in our hearts with the peace that transcends all understanding. We thank you, God, that you bring it. And you are the only one that can. into our lives, bring peace into our marriages, bring peace into our homes and let us carry that peace to others in Jesus' name.